Thank you, Jeffrey. Okay, well, it's it's great being here, and it's a real honor to be here with, and, and I would like to introduce, I have a, my son, Michael, who's in engineering school here, and my wife, Susan, is here. We drove up from Jackson, and uh, our manager here in Starkville, Saunders Ramsey, I'll be telling you a little more about him in a little while. And then we also have um, Heather Hart and Kate Fulcher. And raise your hand here. I saw them last uh, yesterday in Jackson, and they're part of the Institute of Transportation Engineering, which was very important to me over my years. And um, I'll tell you just a little bit about that. But the reason it's relevant is that they went over and they were in the traffic bowl. That's a, that's a, a traffic bowl like Jeopardy that they do, and they ask, ask questions about traffic engineering and all that. And last year they won, and this year at the very last minute they lost to Jackson State. And the reason they did is because Case trained the person that's at Jackson State now and uh, she did a great job, and they beat them at the last second. Well, I know a little bit about losing at the last second. I went to Vanderbilt, and, and I guess you got, you know what that had. And I watched two hours, and I knew when we were up 17 points that I'd fall asleep in the second half in the last second. It's awful. So that's it. So, so we said we're looking forward to the baseball season this year, and so we'll, we'll see where that goes. But um, anyway, the transfer, the, what I want to mention about the transportation engineering is it's a part of my life for 40 some odd years. And the reason that these professional organizations are important to you, let me ask you, how many or any of you are in engineering? Raise your hand if you're in engineering. Wow, most of you are. Okay, great. I know where I'm. I know where we're coming from. Uh, any of you in civil engineering? Okay, you got a bunch of those too. So that's that's terrific. Well, anyway, this applies to any professional organization, whether it's it's uh, transportation engineering or civil engineering, chemical engineering. It's really important to belong to your professional organizations. And the reason is, there's, there's, I always say there are three reasons. The one, it allows you to keep up professionally in your field. All the things that are going on professionally it allows you to learn how to stay ahead of the technology and be innovative and that sort of thing. It also gives you some leadership qualities because if you're involved you get to be involved in a committee that you chair uh, you get to stand up and make presentations uh, and and uh, learn how to give effective presentations um, and then also you get to meet some great people over a lifetime which I've been very fortunate to do so I would encourage you very much to uh, belong to whatever profession to that organization and, and be involved because it'll really help you and it has me over the years as a matter of fact year before last I was able to serve as the international president and as a result of that I was able to go on a lot of technical tours to Holland to 
London, and we just got back from Australia and New Zealand. So there's a lot of cool things that you can do in that organization. I, I was so uh, humbled, and I really was surprised when Jeffrey asked me to come talk to you because when you look at entrepreneurship, I, I hope you'll, at the end, you'll appreciate some of the things that we do from an entrepreneurial spirit. But I've been so impressed with Jeffrey when he was the mayor for several reasons. You know, he was, he, he was in television. He's got terrific communication skills. He was a fabulous mayor of Columbus. And... You know, because of him and all the effort of bringing people together, going to Washington, which I was uh, privileged to be a part of, he was able to get federal funds to help with the uh, Fort Columbus bypass, the 45 bypass. So there's no doubt in my mind when it's built, it's going to be called the Rupp Bypass. Mark my word when that happens. But the thing that I have been so impressed with him is the fact that he has such terrific communication skills. And this is so, so important, particularly talking to you engineers. And as you know, we engineers, probably 70% of us are introverts. And that's a good thing because we solve problems. We, you know, we work on our computers. We, we uh, design things. But when it comes down to it, you've got to communicate. And that's the skill that he has and I don't know if he gives classes to you here on effective community. They, they, well, you do now. He, he was the mayor of uh, Columbus, but uh, also, also a great friend. But, but the thing that's so cool is his communication skills. And you'll learn how to solve problems. You'll learn how to design buildings. And you'll learn how to do fabulous things in entrepreneurship. But if you can't sell it, and you can't communicate it, let me tell you, eventually you'll just stay behind the computer, and, and that's good too if that's what you design. But if you're trying to sell what you want to do, you need to have great communication skills. I've struggled with it all my life. As you'll see in 30 minutes, you'll wonder why I'm up here making a fool out of myself. But, but I've tried, and, and the thing that I've learned is that you've got to keep on at it. You've got to keep at it in order to to uh, try to be a good communicator. But enough said about that. Let me tell you a little bit about, he asked me how I got to, to where I am today or our company where we are today. And I asked him, well, I started talking about some things about my, my life and he says, no, they, don't, don't talk to them about the fact that uh, that you, in the fifth grade, you got up at 4.30 in the morning and carried newspapers. He said, don't talk to him about that. He said, don't talk to him about the fact that you were an Eagle Scout, ROTC, or any of that kind of stuff, and that you went to Vanderbilt and you were raised in Smyrna, Tennessee. So I don't even mention that. So where, where I want to take off is when, we went to, when I went to Georgia Tech and I got a master's degree. And it was in transportation. And it's only proper that you learn all the technical skills in a, in a profession. But you've got to remember when you get out of school, 
you probably have no experience whatsoever, and I didn't. And here I was, I was given a project in North Carolina to manage a inventory of a traffic, of a third of their traffic signals. And we had to study the signals, look at the controllers, make recommendations, that sort of thing. I realized at that point, I knew so little about traffic signals, I'm not even sure that I knew that the red light was on the top. That's how, how much experience I had. When I got over there, the project had been going on, and they had a project manager, and he was making an absolute mess of it. And it was an absolute failure. And so we had to figure out what to do because we were almost, we were going to get fired. And what we did was the company hired a guy that was a traffic signal technician in Atlanta. His name was Pat Rose. And he came over and he was my mentor for six months. I'd gotten out of Georgia Tech. I got an extension of, um, uh, of my service and so I could go to Germany. I went to Germany later and uh, so I was able to do this project. And the lesson I learned there, which you really should listen to, is when you get out of school, don't think you can solve every problem yourself. Get yourself a good mentor. The first thing you ought to ask your uh, company that you go to work for is, who am I going to be working for? And feel comfortable that that person will be able to impart the experience that person has. And it's extremely, extremely important. So when we finished that project, and he, told me, he taught me so much. He taught me how to time signals and how to do intersection studies and that sort of thing. But at that point, after that terrible failure, I said to myself, I will never be a consultant again as long as I live. Well, some things happened. I got over to Germany. They sent the career officers to uh, Vietnam at that time. My first sergeant, I got to be a company commander, and my first sergeant was a guy named Jack Hatton from Summerall, Mississippi. And Jack Hatton was getting ready to retire. He retired at the age 37. But the, the assignment I had was a photo mapping company. Now, looking ahead, this really had a big effect on me because we started saying, well, how do we map things? We had, a con we had a, our company mapped all of Eastern Europe at that time. So when I came out of the service, I went to work for the Tennessee DOT for a couple of years, and then there was this wonderful federal program called Topics. Federal agencies, let me tell you another thing. If you get into government and engineering, get rid of the acronyms, because when you're communicating with somebody, they don't have a clue what it means. Topics, EPA, Subtitle D, all these kinds of things. So try to communicate, particularly if you're not talking to one of your peers. So anyway, this topics was traffic operations study to increase capacity and safety. And wow, this was terrific. So I went to work for this consultant, and we moved to New Orleans. And in New Orleans, we did the largest topic study that was ever done in America. And I was fortunate enough to be the project manager. And here's what was innovative that sort of 
picked up from the mistakes that and the failures that I'd had in the past was that we had, it, it was a huge thing. You know how big New Orleans is. So I'm like 500 intersections. We had to do all of this uh, parking studies, accident studies, signal studies, uh, signing studies, and all of that. And we had to do it in 14 months. But anyway, so rather than inventorying the intersections like we did in, in, with, with uh, roller tapes and all in North Carolina, we came up with the idea where we could fly a plane at 1,500 feet and take an aerial photograph, put two X's and 50 feet apart and blow them up to 1 to 50. And we, you could actually design signals with that. Of course, that was way before Google. I mean, this was nothing back then. But, but then it was very innovative. And as a result of that and doing a lot of great things, uh, we were able to sell these studies all over the country, and particularly, I moved to Chattanooga. We did Atlanta. After that, and and, the, and I guess the point was, it was such a terrific effort, and I have to brag about it. But the point is, if you're going to be a consultant, do a terrific job. Know what you're doing, as we talked about with Pat Road. Really talk. Be able to talk the talk. And, and also do a terrific project because that's going to be your legacy. No matter how little it is or how big it is, that's your legacy. So we started off really big. Now, I'll have to admit, Susan almost divorced me. We worked 60 hours a week, and, uh, but that, that I won't say. At the same time, we developed a study in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, that's what got us started basically in Mississippi doing the same sort of thing. So after that, I was fortunate enough to, to be a project manager on a toll road that was supposed to go from Chattanooga to Tallahassee. And it turned out to be a terrific study, but toll roads are supposed to pay for themselves, and uh, it wasn't but 30% feasible, so as a result, we didn't have any work. So. By that time, we had developed some relationships in Jackson, and we moved to Jackson. So that was a big deal. Susan almost had a nervous breakdown. She didn't want to move, but we had moved six times in five years. And Susan said, if we move in less than five years, it's without me. So I had to make some big decisions at that point. And there was no doubt that I wanted to stay with Susan. The point was we couldn't just do traffic studies and move every year, so we had to be diversified. Now, when we moved to Jackson, we did some pretty cool things, and this is fundamental to our company today. And that is that we look at what needs to be done in the community to be a part of the community, give back to the community, try to find ways to get things funded, well, in Jackson, could you believe they didn't even have street name signs back in the 70s? So we got a grant. The cities installed the street name signs. Back then, they would they would put the signs, they'd stencil it on, on the curb, and we convinced the federal government that this was a hazard. And uh, so we were able to do that project, and, and the mayor loved us so much because these street name signs were wonderful, something so simple. And uh, he said he gave us a big sewer project. 
and it was in the Jackson State area, the Lynch Creek Basin. And would you believe we've been doing that project for over 30 years, replacing sewer lines and working in that basement. And that really gave us the stability to keep going during the 70s particularly. And so the fundamental thing that we learned was, beside looking for good things to do, how to help the community, be a part of the community, be involved with the community, was that, that uh, we were developing clients. We weren't developing projects. That was the important thing. We were developing relationships. And once we had done the signing project, they didn't care. We were engineers and we did cool stuff. So they didn't care the fact that I wasn't a sewer guy, water sewer guy, but they let us do it. And we hired the people and we grew from that. So by 1983, Gorman Schaefer was my operations manager. And uh, by 1983, we had just about had it with the company that we had been with. The company sold itself to a Canadian firm and there were a lot of personnel things. You learn, too, from looking, and even though these are good companies and all, you ask yourself, how could we do it better? And we had no say in the company as to how we could do anything because we were management, even though I was a, a vice president. One thing that made Susan mad was that we had to move ourselves. as the vice. They didn't pay for our moving from Atlanta to Jackson, and I learned very and she's never let me forget that if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So that's been sort of fundamental. So, so anyway, developing the client and the relationship, so we went around in different cities, and that's how we did traffic studies, then sewer projects, and developing the relationship in, in the 70s. But by 1983, uh, we said we could do better with Neil Schaefer, so we formed Neil Schaefer. By that time, we had had about 20 employees, and the fundamental thing of the company then, our vision, was, was this. We wanted to be a Mississippi-based firm, certainly a, a regional firm, if we could. The firm that I was with before was a, had about 300 employees, very multidisciplined. So we wouldn't do just traffic work. We could do sewer work. We could do treatment plants. Whatever was needed, we said that's what we wanted to be. And we wanted to be an employee-owned firm. So if we made any profits, they wouldn't have to go to Canada or some other firm. So that's what we became. So I think we had a clear vision of what we wanted to be as a firm. We wanted to treat our people right. We wanted to give our employees the opportunity for ownership. But I remember a statement that was made one time, and you make note of this. Vision without action, you're just daydreaming. Action without vision, you're just spinning the circle. You're just running in circles. But vision with action, you can accomplish anything. So we all have a lot of ideas, but you have to have the persistence and the patience to, to have the action to follow up. And I'm telling you, over the years, some of these projects take years to get uh, implemented. They don't happen just like that, particularly public works projects. 
So in the 80s when we started, we had, uh, if you remember, we had the great flood of 79 in Jackson. So we were still cleaning that Jackson up uh, early back when we started. Because of our traffic expertise, we did all the traffic work getting New Orleans ready for the World's Fair, which was pretty cool. And we were doing work for casinos that came into Mississippi. A lot of site work, and they wanted it done very quickly, and as a result, we continued to grow. And then in the 90s, and I look sort of looking decades, and in the 90s, there was a thing called EPA, you know EPA, so I can say EPA, subtitle D, it had to do with landfills. In the early 90s, most all the landfills were dumps, low-income areas near creeks. So they said, we're going to clean them up. We're going to develop uh, we're going to develop environmentally sensitive landfills. And this, so we had done some landfill work for some private companies. And uh, so we started looking into it, and we decided, and this was an ethics thing, we decided that what made a lot of sense was to ask the cities, do you want to have private companies operate your landfills? We found that, that some of these private companies, what they wanted was uncontrolled utilities. Put the landfill here, we'll charge whatever we want to charge. So we said, wouldn't it make a lot of sense for cities and counties to get together and develop a regional landfill? And at that point, we had an ethical decision. We were either going to take that route and look at what was in the best interest of the public, or we were going to keep working for the private companies. And I'm telling you, it makes you think, because we had a contract to design a private company's landfill with a quarter million feet. And we said, no, it probably makes sense for the government to own the landfill. They may operate it to a private company. So we began to look at where we could do these. And the one that we, that really settled was here at the Golden Triangle. And what it, prior to that, there had never been any legislation about landfills, other than the fact the federal government said, you're going to clean these things up and you're going to develop environmentally sensitive landfills. So we got the mayor of West Point, Kenny Deal, Dave Winfield, I forget which county he was in, but we started developing a vision of a regional landfill, and we did a study for the area, and we were able to show that it was in the public's best interest to develop this regional landfill, and we had to go to the legislature, and we had to fight the private companies because, as I said, they wanted uncontrolled utilities, but we, we succeeded. And as a result, we have the Golden Triangle fill that includes Starville, Columbus, West Point, and the counties all around it. And I'm telling you, it's a model landfill in the country. We did some others, Pine Belt down in Hattiesburg. I'll mention that again. But this landfill charges less than most any of them in the country. It's owned and operated here by the government, and it, they've done some incredibly cool things, even to the point 
of taking the methane and converting it into electricity. And I'll show you a slide of that at the end of this uh, discussion. So it just shows you it took us a couple of years to do that, and we didn't really make any money as a result of that, which shows that our commitment was to the public's best interest. If you're a professional engineer, you have a canon of ethics, and I hope that they'll have classes on ethics here, because the first thing it says is that you have to look after the public's health, safety, and welfare first. And that's what we've done. It's not, not about making money. We love what we do, and we have to make a profit as a company. But I also remember another thing that's, that was really important. Um, the mayor of Hattiesburg, when we opened up the Pine Belt landfill, said to me, he said, Hibbit, and we had to go through fighting all of this, private companies and everything, and getting them all together. He said, Hibbit, politicians will usually do the right thing, but you really have to educate them. And that's what a lot of times as engineers, we don't do that. But those of us that are successful believe in that commitment. And there again, it's the communication. You have to educate the politicians. Although sometimes I wonder, like our legislature, someone told me the only thing they respond to is, is public outcry and crisis. So when you look at all the stuff that's going on on the, on the highway bill right now and trying to get more gas tax and all of that, you've got a crisis in Jackson, if any of you have ever driven the roads in Jackson. And then there's getting to be some public outcry. So maybe they'll do something, but they won't do anything until that happens. In 2000, 11 years ago, what happened? Hurricane Katrina. Hurricane Katrina had, and we had an office in Biloxi, and it totally wiped us out. There was a bunch of engineers, several engineering firms shut their door. But we ask ourselves, what are we all about? And that's serving the community. So we went to the mayor, having the relationship with the city, and they allowed us to do debris management, which, which we were able to do. And you say, what a big, that's, what's the deal with all the debris they have in the city? Think about it. When it was all over with the <clears throat> city of Biloxi itself, had to handle the debris that was the size of a football field, 125 stories high. So for two years, we had almost 200 employees that were monitoring the contractors in accordance with the federal regulations to take care of the debris. Pretty big deal. So as a result of that, and one of our Mississippi State people, Nelson Lucius, went down there, and he bought into this. And we let him manage that project. And as a result, because of that entrepreneurial spirit, we set up a, a subsidiary called True North. And True North, they, they were in Galveston, Texas, where it wiped out a bunch of houses. They were at, her, beside Katrina, they, they were at Hurricane Sandy. And week after next, I'm going over to Sacramento, California, to see where they have done the debris management on 2,500 homes that were burned down because of the fires in the, in the California area. 
So the result of that is that it's amounted to about a third of the company's revenue. And I think that's another characteristic of our company. When people like Saunders and Nelson, and they come to us and they've got a great idea, we say, all right, let's talk about it. We have an entrepreneurial spirit. Does it make sense from a, one, is there a great need for it? And secondly, does it make sense from a business standpoint? And then what are we going to have to do to get there? So that, again, is what we're all about. And Katrina was very, very important. And another thing that happened, one of our employees, and another example of entrepreneurial spirit, had worked for another company where they had done the engineering on cell towers, Rosemary Aldridge. And she's now down in Maitland with a group and we have located cell towers for Disney, and we do the management and the cell tower engineering for C Spire. So there's another area where we do. Uh, going way, way back to when I talked about cleaning up Jackson in the 70s, again, relationships. We worked on the Jackson plant, so water treatment plant. So we've done all the, the improvements to that plant over the years. And when you look ahead, you're going to say, oh, well, why is that important? Well, water treatment, anybody heard about Flint, Michigan? You remember what I said about uh, politicians when there's, there's usually a public outcry or a crisis? They have a crisis in Flint, Michigan, and mark my word, Congress will find some way to fund these aging uh, water lines, water plants that are like Flint, Michigan, but all the country has aging infrastructure. So that's what, that's what we're all about, is trying to take care of the aging infrastructure and looking ahead at what may be the opportunity. We have a big, uh, and, and how it takes so long. We started in Georgia four years ago trying to develop transportation projects, and just last year they passed a gas tax, and now we're building up our operation in Georgia, and we just got selected for a major, major interchange uh, design for uh, the Georgia DOT. Treatment plants, EPA comes out and they say, you're not going to dump this sludge or you're not going to dump uh, sewage into the river. It, you, we've got certain standards and the standards increase, so as a result we have to design treatment plants that'll take care of the EPA standards that they have. So we've done treatment plants in Macomb. We're doing work in Jackson. Uh, we've done work, we're doing work now in Hattiesburg and uh, in Greenwood. So that's all a part of the, of the growth, too. So how do we get to 38 offices? Well, we started off, and I told you about Hattiesburg. Uh, over the years, we finally got an office in New Orleans. Uh, the, the politics was terrible in, in, in New Orleans for many, many years, but now it's, it's very straight. The same thing with the state of Louisiana. We do a lot of DOT work. It all built from the transportation work we do. And we are the lead uh, firms that do highway design and traffic signals and bridge designs for Tennessee, 
hopefully now in Georgia, in Alabama, Louisiana, and certainly in Mississippi. We went up to Tennessee because I had relationships there and I had to go see my family. And uh, so we opened an office there. So we've been in Tennessee 25 years. We t- I mentioned Hattiesburg with Jack Hatton. So it's grown like that strategically because we have a relationship with the city or there's some, some um, need that we can see down the road. And strategically, we'll, we'll locate. Here in uh, Columbus, uh, we acquired uh, Hudnall Engineering. Some of the growth has been from acquisitions. We acquired Huddle Engineering, and uh, so we have a strong office in, in Columbus. Uh, now, Joey Hudnell, Mississippi State graduate, is our chief operating officer, and uh, we have an office here because of Saunders and his relationship. You, it was way before your time, but he was a pitcher for Mississippi State. Um, they, nobody argues it's way before their time. <laughs> So, any anyway, so we've acquired firms in in um, Birmingham, and why why do they sell? Well, the one thing we're been able to is because we take a good part of our profit and plow it back into acquisitions and growth or strategic initiatives, and some of them work and some of them don't work. And I've been asked the question, when doesn't it work? Well, I'd say the biggest thing when it doesn't work is when we put someone to manage an office or in a position where they, they can't handle it. And I learned a couple of years ago, we went to the Presidio, and I went to the Walt Disney Museum. And I was impressed with what Walt Disney said about his success. And he said, the reason for my success is I find the best people that I can find and I put them in positions where they can excel. And you know, you think about it, that's what management's all about. And when you do that, you don't have to worry about the day-to-day management. They'll take care of it. You have certain goals that you set, and you communicate. And, and when we have failed a few cases, we would put people in positions, well, well let's say, they may want to go to an office and manage an office, but let's say they're real introverts. They're the worst people in the world to go manage an office because every office that's successful has to have an entrepreneurial... Uh, they, they have to be entrepreneurs. They have to want to sell all the services we have. They have to want to see what's needed in the community, to be a part of the community, it works if much better if they're extroverts, but in, in any respect, they have to be committed to being a part of the community, find ways and, and, and have the persistence to hang in there. Just like when I talked about uh, Jeffrey Rupp, the persistence when we have that bypass on 45, that doesn't happen overnight. That started X number of 10 years ago, maybe. And it's going to be built, but sometimes these public works projects take decades to do. Um, And I can go on and on about that. So Saunders is a perfect example of Neil Schaefer's office manager because even though he's probably a pretty good traffic engineer, it doesn't really matter to me what he is. 
He's a part of the community. He lives here. He's a Mississippi State graduate, a bulldog. Uh, he sees the need, and he works at it. And uh, he brings in all these expertise that we have, those people that really like to dig in and get in the weeds and design things. And we're very successful at that. So that's why this office does so well. Not only because of that, but also because Starkville is a very progressive town, particularly now, more so than it's, it's ever been as far as I know. We can't control where the money is, but as far as federal funds or whatever, but when they're there, we want to have the entrepreneurial spirit to jump out and take advantage and look at that opportunity so that we can continue to grow. So that's what we're all about. And uh, I've got a few slides that I'd like to, to show you briefly. I hope I haven't taken up too much of your time. Um, let's take about five minutes and uh, show you some examples of what we do. Uh, some of the projects that we have, as you'll see, we're very much into transportation, but we do a lot, a lot of other things. So maybe we could, um, can, how, do we, how do we flip these? Oh, is this it? You think that's it? You got it? Okay, let's go back to where we the first one. Have you, get, have you got it back? All right, I'll let you, and you, you might even mention the project. But we talked about being a multidiscipline firm. I told you why, you know. Part of it was fear. You know, if we couldn't be multidiscipline, what am I going to do? Uh, lose my wife or, you know, the... the uh, we had to do things other than traffic, but we were founded in, in 1983. And now, because I think because of the values, uh, our, our managers own a part of the company, Saunders does, and we're one of the largest privately held employee-owned engineering firms in the South. And you can see here where our offices are. They go from Louisville, Kentucky, all the way over to Fort Worth and Houston, Texas. And you can see we've got a number of offices right here in, in Mississippi. But uh, there, there are 37 offices. I think I said 38, so I, I need to get that updated. Uh, subsidiaries. True North, I told you about that and how important that was. And that was a, a big initiative that we've had that we worked through. It's been very important to us. Soltech Consultants, they do geotechnical work. We have geologists. Uh, we do um, underground, looking at underground storage tank studies, that's environmental, but uh, you have to have foundation work, so we do core borings and all of that. And uh, Saunders actually uh, does soil tech right here in, in Starkville. Uh, MapTech is a company we acquired, and we do a lot of surveying for the Corps of Engineers and surveying for the departments of transportation. And these are very general. Transportation is not only traffic, and, and but it's also transportation planning. We have a group in Lafayette that has developed the expertise for modeling where they're able to take demographic information and project the needs for transportation uh, facilities in the future. And, and uh, transportation now, and it used to be in traffic engineering, it used to be traffic signals, which it is, traffic capacity, 
but it's also complete streets. And you see things like, is it Lynn Street? Lynn Lane, Lane, where it's a multi-purpose trail. And we're doing a lot of that, where we're looking at not only cars, but bicycles and pedestrians. And you're going to see more and more of this, I'm sure, uh, at Mississippi State. Environmental, as I mentioned, um, water treatment plants, uh, sewage treatment plants, uh, environmental studies, uh, cleanup, um, support services. We have groups that go around and do public hearings. uh, And sustainability, which is a new word, and that's looking ahead at what can we do to sustain our environment. And uh, it goes into everything from in the transportation area. It could be something like replacing a traffic signal with a roundabout. Here's an example of Capitol Street. If any of y'all been on Capitol Street and been on the, the driven the roundabouts that, that we have, that was a new project. There's a good example of persistence because in the 70s we developed a one-way pair for Capitol and Emit, and it's taken 10 years to get the funding to turn that back into a two-way boulevard and we've got three roundabouts we did the landscaping uh, great safety and pedestrian improvements by expanding the sidewalks where people can walk over to the island in three seconds and the other side they can get across the street in six seconds where it used to take 15 seconds so it's very pedestrian friendly this is in Oxford, <clears throat> which has really helped the traffic uh, at Ole Miss, where it, it's basically off of a, a highway. It's uh, two roundabouts, and that's worked really, really well. Uh, State Highway 9, this is another interchange that we did an innovative design up in Pontotoc. And this is the, uh, the, the Golden Triangle ra- Landfill where they take, they extract the methane from the garbage that's deep, the methane that comes out when it decomposes, and they convert this into electricity. The port of Gulfport, we're doing uh, pretty much all the civil engineering for that development there, and it's, it's I think, five or $600 million project that came out after Katrina and it's improving the uh, port of Gulfport. The Nashville signal timing, pretty cool for a Jackson-based firm to be uh, retiming 500 traffic signals in the city of Nashville so that cars can uh, go smoother and we're gonna be helping the intersections there too. And then I mentioned the uh, wireless communication work that we're doing for C Spire and Disney a treatment plant, wastewater treatment plant in Macomb. And we did the approaches to this uh, for the Mississippi River Bridge up in Greenville. And you can see other interchange work. Uh, we have a top-notch uh, bridge group that grinds out. And they're, they're also right now for, for MDOT, they're studying these hundreds of these uh, deficient bridges in Mississippi and coming up with plans about how to fix them. And, and all of this comes, in, again, with a crisis with bridges that are falling down and the fact that they, the government needs to put money in them and evaluate them so people don't get killed. And this is the biggest project. 
And this, this is really interesting and is going to be somewhat the future of a lot of transportation, and that is we're doing this uh, Georgia 400 project, doing 30% of the design on a $600 million interchange, their busiest interchange in Georgia and one of the busiest in, in the uh, United States. But what's really interesting about it is that we're working for a Spanish firm working out of Austin, Texas, we learned about them when we worked with them on an airport connector and another toll road study that wasn't feasible in Jackson. But that, that's called ferrovial, and what you're going to see, what's really amazing about it is it's not just a matter of engineering. This company from Spain actually is financing it. They're putting together the financial package. They're doing the... They're paying us to do design or the package of the engineers to do the design and then they're putting together the contractors to do the construction on this project and it has a really short fuse and it reminds me we're going to see this all over the world I was in uh, Sydney, Australia last year and we saw a project that was $4 billion the project manager was from London the contractor was from China and the rail cars, it was like a 20-mile uh, rail to, to help as far as transit. The rail cars came from Spain that cost $3 million apiece and $3 million to ship them over from Spain to Australia. So we're seeing more and more of these. They call them 3P uh, public-private partnerships where DOTs are saying, if you get it done in four years we'll fi and finance it for you, we'll pay you back. So they blow and go, and so we're excited about this. Told you about Tuscaloosa. The expertise we got from that uh, firm that we bought, Almond, in, in Tuscaloosa, uh, designed this amphitheater, and we're taking that expertise, and in Brandon we're going to build one just like this. And I mentioned Hurricane Katrina, the terrible devastation that we use that as an opportunity for a tragedy to turn into a major urban renewal project that we did tons of engineering work on. And I mentioned Superstorm Sandy, Hurricane Ike, and the wildfires that are in California. We're also going to be a part of the team on a new mobile, mobile bridge bay widening in Mobile, Alabama that's just now starting. And then, Saunders, you tell them about your projects real quick. All right, so some of you may or may not be familiar with these. I'll run through them pretty quickly. Uh, Louisville Street, the old Highway 25, uh, through some MDOT funding and local coordination, we did a, uh, a widening project there, includes a sidewalk parallel to the roadway. Uh, Blackjack Road, probably before some of you guys got here, that road was in really, really bad shape. Um, and when I say in bad shape, I mean the construction of the road. We all know the condition that it's in now. With the, with the traffic, and we're part of that team as well, trying to come up with some solutions, talking about mama being happy. My wife works on this route, so she reminds me daily that I need to get it fixed. Um, Chadwick Lake, you're probably familiar with the walking trail, was a Blue Cross Blue Shield grant uh, that MSU received. Uh, we did the design and construction there. Um, down south, Montgomery, if you go down there, it's a residential part of town. Uh, this one hits literally close to home. Um, this Claiborne of Adelaide retirement community was actually built on six acres of my family's property. It's a um, retirement village. It's about a $12 million project built into a traditional neighborhood development. 
Um, it's actually open now, and um, really proud of that. The the gym on Russell, uh, as you can see here, the really big tall building that people say is too tall and too close to the road. Um, it's built into a transect district, which is trying to create density. And uh, we did the site design on that. Uh, some things that are under construction, Mitchell Automotive, which is down the street from um, the Hilton Garden Inn. Um, it's going in right now. We did the site package on that. Uh, under design right now is a new student apartment project on Octoc Road, which will make that traffic situation even better. <laughs> um, Russell Street reconstruction in the next year, you should see Russell Street transform into more of a complete street. We're going to add bike lanes, sidewalks, landscaping, improve the signals, cr crosswalks, etc. Really going to enhance that corridor. Uh, the new MSU South Entrance Road, this is one of those projects we have to be patient on. Um, it is actually under construction now. It'll connect Poorhouse Road to the intersection of Blackjack and Stone Boulevard, which will add a, a much needed uh, southern connection to the university. Um, Russell Street Flats is at the intersection of uh, Russell Street and Spring Street. That's a student apartment project that should be completed this year. Um, Talking about sharing resources at Highway 12 and Russell Street, um, that intersection is going to be totally redesigned. Our Jackson office is actually doing that work, and it'll go to construction um, here pretty soon, actually. So the, the ramps that you see coming on and off of that intersection will be taken away, and uh, pedestrian islands in the middle of Highway 12 will be added. Uh, we're actually going to connect Russell Street to University Drive with a sidewalk so that pedestrians can use the pedestrian bridge that's there. Highway 12 safety project, if you've been watching in the news or, or paying attention locally, um, that is one of the most dangerous routes in the entire state of Mississippi. MDOT recognized this. They called Neil Schaefer, asked us to perform a safety audit on that route. Safety audit showed that a, a median should be added. Um, so currently, Neil Schaefer, the city of Starkville, and the MDOT are in constant communication about what is that going to look like, how is it going to affect businesses. Um, what can be done to um, allow future improvements to be made to that design. So that's just some of the things we're doing locally. Um, and the, the neat thing is that this type of environment is going on all over the state. Um, as you can see, a lot of different resources, a lot of different um, clients, and a lot of different relationships. So you can see how proud I am of, of Saunders and what we're doing here in Starville and all over uh, the company. And I think uh, we've done some things right, and uh, I personally feel very blessed to have been a part of, of this company and to be a part of these, these great people that uh, we have uh, that partner with us. So anyway, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you. Do you have any, anybody have any nagging questions that you wanted to ask? We've got a few minutes. Okay. Sure. Um, so, uh, one of the main questions was asked was how did, you, how did uh, Neil Schaefer end up choosing the uh, type of discipline that we were going into, you know, mm -hmm. security, audit, uh, et cetera? And um, what was it like uh, trying to get a hold of the project? Did you have to go to people, and, and how did you get uh, the legislative Oh, my goodness. Well, <clears throat> Uh, there's several several things. Uh, 
one thing where you're talking about public works, I've mentioned the fact that we, we have people that have relationships with the uh, city officials. Now, let's assume that we've defined these projects, so we, we come up with a strategy on each one of them, where, like in the case of, of Mayor Rupp, we said we're going to go to Washington and we're going to see if we can get some money to, to get this uh, project funded. And, and after a lot of effort, we got some seed money to do it. And, and it's been growing and they've gotten uh, MDOT, Department of Transportation to buy into it. So that's, that's been one of the, the ways that we've done it. Uh, another <clears throat> is as far as defining the projects, we have to look uh, so so many things. There, a lot of the money, a lot of the projects that are done here in Mississippi come as a result of federal funding through EPA or the Department of Transportation or Federal Highway Administration. So we try to stay attuned to what kind of federal legislation's going on, so we can tap into that. If there isn't any. Uh, well, I'll tell you what's happening in, in these states as far as transportation. They finally passed a, a nominal highway bill in Congress, but now the states are having to say, how can we come up with money? There's a shortfall there. And then the cities, you may not know this, but in, in, in Mississippi, the cities can't have optional sales tax to take care of public works projects. They passed it in Jackson, but that's very, very rare in other states. We we're able to tap into that. So cities are trying to find out how they can fund projects. What else did I miss on that? Uh, where, uh, most fulfilling project. Well, I've had several, and 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 I think. Uh, that's the cool thing about our profession. There's so many different things that we can get involved in. Personally, it started very early in, in the profession. I had, had the privilege of being a project manager on the New Orleans topic study, and that was terrific. Uh, but beyond that, if I look at the whole thing of the involvement with dealing with the legislature, trying to get a bill passed, dealing with the Department of Environmental Quality, working with them, one thing, they didn't even know how they were going to get the counties. Once the legislature passed that the county is going to be responsible for solid waste, how would the counties get the money to do it? So we had to come up with the legislation on how they could fund uh, garbage collection in order to, to do these landfills, how they could get tipping fees and that sort of thing. So that has been a real major Thing, and I feel very fulfilled with that. Not only that, but developing those landfills, those regional landfills, you build cells and they just keep on. They fill up and then you have to design and get a permit and do another cell. And it's, it's a kind of project that just keeps on keeping on, keeps on giving. So that was very, very good. But so many of them, the uh, World's Fair, doing the traffic work, getting them ready in New Orleans was terrific. And then our key people have their own that are just as important as the ones that I have, whether, whether it's Hurricane Katrina or the projects that Saunders are doing. Uh, that's, that's the other thing I, I would advise. If you're in civil engineering, get experience, have a mentor, mentor, no matter what it is, but find really good work, really exciting work, and I've been really blessed with being able to do that. Uh, 
And that means a lot more than just the pay that you make. I know the, the millenniums are the most entrepreneurial, you're the most entrepreneurial of any of the, the people that have ever been. But the one thing I, I'm proud of is I took a long-term approach and it wasn't so much right then. Unfortunately, it's taken me decades to get where I am now. And maybe you'll be able to do it in a year or two, but, uh, um, but I feel that taking the long-term approach and saying down the road, I want to get all the experience I can get and being a consultant, I want to be the best I can be. And then I can look at being a manager, owning a company, and, and then the growth. Yeah. Well, the growing came from acquisitions. It came from internal. It came from the the the, the size. You you ask overcome. Yeah, I I I'll, I see that. The, the 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 growth came from acquisitions, from from internal growth, the relationships, the establishment of the offices. Uh, in some cases, uh, like. Uh, a person is in Alabama, is an Alabama grad, and they have a relationship with the mayor, and we've been able to grow there. The challenge is, of course, with the acquisitions, the challenge is how you transition and being sure you have the same culture, and sometimes that doesn't always work. But, um, but, I, but I used to say, look, we may have the growth, we may have to work 60 hours, but you don't make any money laying people off. So uh, to have the pressure of having to complete projects is one thing, but not having projects and having to make a payroll is much worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what motivates me to do what I do, she asked. Well, I told you earlier what motivated me was somewhat fear. And, and there is a lot, there is some of that, honestly, and maybe you'll agree with me. Uh, in, in college, I was motivated by fear, knowing that if I didn't graduate, I'd be pumping gas the rest of my life. Uh, the fear that uh, in Jackson, if we weren't able to grow and maintain the operation, I'd probably have to move or go to work somewhere else. Uh, and, and we still have the fear, as big as we are, you wouldn't believe it. We may have a year's backlog of work. That means we keep everybody busy for a year. There has to be a fear of a year from now, if you don't get more work, you're going to have to shut the door. And, and I assure you that Saunders is motivated, and this is particularly true in, these, in, in our other offices. In Jackson, they, they're sort of spoiled rotten in a, because we develop a lot of the work for the engineers. But I guarantee you, Saunders, when he gets up in the morning, he's asking himself, well, I've got enough work, I've got to get it done, and so forth. That's, that's a part of it. But what am I looking at for next year? and the next year. And that's very, very important, don't you agree? So there's a certain fear there and a certain motivation that you have to keep on. 
And then the success of a project is developing the project, doing a good job, and then getting the next project so you can keep on. And that's where I was talking about how great some of these projects, like the solid waste and the landfill, they just keep on giving. We keep on doing engineering, like sewer replacements and things like that. Been a pleasure. Go dog.